Hi. Hi. Welcome to Sip, Survive, and Repeat. <clears throat> per usual, I have a little <clears throat> phlegm in my throat. <clears throat> Naturally. Uh, let's try this wine okay. because <laughs> it's real strong. A real strong wine. We're all having Shout ah, out to Lynn Toma, who I don't think she listens, but she... She might. This is a wine that she... We, we were having a wine emergency. We didn't have any. We didn't have any wine because we have not drove ourselves over to our friends at Magna Wine Boutique. Which so. is our own fault, but... It is. Things are busy. It's fine. We're real busy. Um, So she got us this wine and we're about to try it. Mm. It's real dark. Real strong. Damn. That's smooth. But that's like... That's deep. That's deep and smooth. God, I don't even know what that means. But that's, well, it could mean a couple things, but <laughs> that's really good. It is really good, but um is it is it, it oaky? It's oaky and it would be best paired with a large ribeye oh, and yeah. a baked potato. Yes. And also I have not brushed my teeth yet today. As Girl, I'm talking as into this mic. Talked, I don't understand how you can do that. That's like the first thing I do. It's gross. Well, you know what it is? What? I wake up in the morning. And I make coffee. And then I don't want to brush my teeth before I drink coffee because there's acid in the coffee. So I drink coffee for a couple hours and then I forget that I didn't brush my teeth and then it's three o'clock and here I am. It's just <laughs> gross. It's not every day. It's just every now and then. Sorry, did I tell you that we, I took my son to the dentist and he basically has like half of his tooth is missing because he didn't brush back there. Oh, <laughs> like but how we, do you get them to... Oh, the thought of we, brushing your teeth is like... When you... When they said he has a cavity... I was like, really? And then when he opened his mouth and I looked, I'm like, half his tooth is missing. Like, what kind of terrible mother am I? Like, what kind of hillbilly am I? Jesus Christ. Nothing against hillbillies. Jesus. I need to call the, they have a special dentist now he has to go to. Oh. Because it's a back tooth, so it won't but fall out for a while. But how do you make kids brush back there? Well, now I brush his teeth for him. Have you seen? <laughs> I'm like, open your mouth. Have you seen that new thing I saw on Instagram? I don't know why they're targeting me, but you put it in the kid's mouth. Yes. And it's like. The auto brush? Yeah. Cleans oh, yes. Their- <laughs> I had one and it stopped charging. And so now we just have a regular toothbrush. I'm still considering maybe getting a new auto brush. Maybe you should. <laughs> because it's torture to, like, it's just, it's a whole thing. Maybe I should start brushing and y- your son should get an auto brush. <laughs> They make adult auto brushes. Maybe I you should just pop that in in the morning. Um, although the kid one plays music, so. Oh, well. Um, I, as soon as we're done here, I'm going to go brush my teeth because it's so gross. My okay. teeth are hairy. <laughs> I'm it's so throw disgusting. Up. Okay. Um, so. I would like to tell you that I walked into my place today and I accused my dog of shitting in the house. <laughs> it turns out I just had shit on my shoe. <laughs> <laughs> Poor Sedona. Sorry, Sedona. I was like, "Did you shit in here? What is wrong with you?" And but then she I was, was like, like mm, "Yeah, <laughs> no, it's some other people don't pick up their poop at the apartment complex. People pick it up. It's like not that hard. I get like that one day it was like a snowstorm. It, it might have been hard, but like I just still at least cover I, up with snow. I picked it up. Well, people probably did. Now Kelly pooped melted. on the sidewalk the other day because we got so much snow she couldn't make it into the snow pile because it was too high." <laughs> And I did pick it up off the sidewalk, but it left a giant stain. So well, I feel stains bad. Stains are different. I know, but this our poor neighbor has a giant poop stain on their sidewalk now. Mm. So um, there's that. Oops. I think that's fine. I mean, it'll, it'll wash away, but yeah. I was kind of like, ooh. I don't really I- know what to do with my shitty boots. 
They're right now they're in like a little bin next to my door. Why don't you bring them here next time and you can use the hose outside and spray them down? Oh my god, you're so nice. Thank you all. That's what you need to do. Yeah. Oh my is. god, yeah, because you don't have a hose. I don't have a hose. I bet you they have a community. The only hose, hose I got are right here. There's some hose in, in this, this house. house. There's some hose in this house. Kenny's but like, what the fuck is wrong with you two? This is the second time we've recorded this week, so it's gonna get ugly and we're all real busy and i'm in i'm in work crisis mode right now i'm on a Jenny's chat in peril. i'm i'm on a chat with GoDaddy as we speak about something so it's gonna be fun as soon as they reply we might have to pause this motherfucker. Yeah. um anyway uh i wanted to tell you what i made myself okay well i weighed myself this morning it was a terrible i'm back up to my all-time high weight exciting news um so I made myself lunch today mm-hmm. instead of going to McDonald's and eating a McRib, which is what I want to do every day. Um, and I got, um, I made myself a sandwich out of Ezekiel bread. Are you familiar with Ezekiel bread? I'm familiar with it. Okay. Toasted it so it's a little less like awful. <laughs> um, and then I made myself some scrambled eggs. Okay. And I put just a little mayo, just like a little dabble do you. Oh, on the sandwich. On, on the, the bread. sandwich, on the bread. <laughs> then I put the eggs on it. So I had an egg, egg sandwich. sandwich. Egg, that would be mayo. called an egg sandwich. Yeah, I basically had an egg sandwich. And um, I don't think that's really that healthy. Although. It's better than. It's better than a and gravy biscuits, which I had leftovers <laughs> that I made on Sunday. Well, I was, was I out and about? No, I wasn't out and about. Oh my God. But I, I wanted to go out and about, but I went, I went to Trader Joe's yesterday. As you know, I was eating animal crackers shaped like cats in my car and they're chocolate animal crackers. So anyway, so sorry. The, so I'm the diet's rambling. going well. <laughs> I mean, I feel like animal crackers, again, better than like other things I can mm-hmm. eat. So yeah. I think for me, it's just like, you got to to just change things where you can it's little steps yeah i think for me a lot of it's portion control like i go bazonkers eating just mass quantities i go i'll be like two days where i'm really good and then day three like today which i did limit my we had one biscuit left and i ate the rest of the sausage gravy so it wouldn't go bad yeah you and you know that was my lunch and then for dinner i'm gonna have like a salad yeah I don't know what, oh, tonight's my dinner with um, my stepdaughter, so. Red Robin. <laughs> no, she usually picks, so we usually pick between either Aladdin's, which is like Mediterranean, which will be good. Super, yeah. Um, or Mexican, <laughs> which is not as good. Well, again, moderation. Have you been to, um, damn it, I can't think of the name of it, La Kebab in Strongsville? Who? It's, a, it's called La Kebab. Oh, it's a, it's oh, a, oh, oh. Um, It's kind of like Aladdin's. Yeah. I haven't Amazing. been. Is it? The kick, like Aladdin's is delicious, but it's like two steps ahead. And where is this? In Strongsville. Mm, we usually do go it's to It's kind of like a little hole in the wall. It's very good. Okay. Good if know. she likes Aladdin's and you like Aladdin's, I think she, well, I she's mean, a only, kid. Here's the thing. The only thing she likes at Aladdin's is hummus. Okay. We go and we get a then hummus. Then Lakabob's not for her. Okay. But, but for you... I think their garlic paste is amazing with the rice. Good. That's okay. all I'm going to say. All right. All I'm going to say right. about that. Sometimes we go to Bibby Bop, which is Never like, been. Oh, it's good. You can make it healthy. Mm-hmm. It's just, you know. Yeah. Whatever. We're talking about all these places nobody knows about. It's fine. Oh, how about us being on the charts in France? Yes. Um, well, that. Oui, oui. Oui, oui, oui. Je m'appelle Danelle. Uh, 
Sherry. French was my minor in college. I took two years of it in high school and don't remember anything. You just said je m'appelle. That's all I remember. And la vie I went to um, uh, uh, Luxembourg, and they have multiple national languages there, Mm -hmm. uh, one of which is French. Mm -hmm. So it borders France on one side. So anywho, um, and my host mom did not speak English, so I had to speak French with her. Um, so yeah, I am pretty jazzed about it. We got an email from a random dude that was like, you're number 66 in France for true crime. And I was like, what? Who was, was it just the... It's some service I signed up for. Oh, okay. You know how I like to do that. Yeah. Just for fun. I'm glad you're on top of it. Because <laughs> I have no idea what's they going were on. Like, well, I told you, I said, I think we were on a chart in France because it... We've done email. a couple like... World War, World War Two like stories and well, stuff. So. The guy I'm talking about today is from France. Oh, and I picked it in honor of <gasps> our position, similar oh. to what you did to Bolivia. Yes, <laughs> yes, we, 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 we. Ha ha ha. Ha ha ha. Now they're gonna be like, get the fuck out of here with and that. And we're not making fun of you. I've never been to France or oh. Paris or anywhere. Well, obviously, I've never been to Paris. I've never been to France, but um, I would love to visit someday. I've traveled the country. Oh, France. I think once the pandemic's over, maybe in 22, we're thinking of like a European tour, yes. Todd and I. I, I like save up Paris, some cash but money. it is like, and it's super cute and amazing. It is a, a big city though. Mm-hmm. So if you're looking for like that cute little I'm French looking for town. anything other than Cleveland, Ohio right now. Mm, you know, yeah. so I would even take a, a countryside in West Virginia at this point. <laughs> In the Appalachian Which is beautiful, yeah. Yeah. Whatever. Whatever floats your boat. I heard that movie is really terrible. The one about hillbilly elegy. Oh, I haven't. I don't know. Hmm. I don't know. I just, that's the rumor on the streets. I have no It's a movie or a show? I thought it was a movie. Movie. Okay. Yeah. And it was Amy Adams. She, they made her look like rough. Hmm. So. I'm sure the people from there didn't appreciate it. Probably not. Mm -mm, Because it's about hillbillies. Hmm. Anywho. Um, we've all discussed that none of us love our stories this week, but I don't hate mine. Mine just is a lot. It's just a lot of info and I'm just going to mess some of it up. Probably. (laughs) I really downsized it. So I feel like if you're really interested in my story, just watch a couple of document. Like I watched two document, Jesus, I watched two documentaries and it's just a lot of details. That's all. Yeah. So do you want me to go first? Uh, yes, because I'm going to drink this wine. Great. Um, okay. Ugh. So my story is the story of D.B. Cooper. Ooh. And. Um, what does D.B. stand for? Dan. His name <gasps> is Dan Cooper, but. Wait, I went to high school with Dan Cooper. Oh, shit. Maybe. Well, no, this is from the 70s, so you're okay. not, not no. quite. No. Unless I age right. really well. But his name is is not even D.B. Cooper at all, but it got mixed. Like, I'll, I'll explain it. Just sit back and relax. Okay. So <laughs> this story, <laughs> don't sit back. Okay. Lean um, forward and relax. <laughs> this is considered one of the FBI's most greatest unsolved mysteries. Oh. So I'm going to take you back to 1971. Mm. And it's the day before Thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. And party day of the year. D.B. Cooper was not at the bar. No. But what he was doing is buying a one-way ticket from Portland to Seattle on Northwest Air yes. for $20. Ugh. Thrifty I'm, little fucker. Although I have to say, I feel like right now you can fly for like 
not that much more than that. Yeah. But, <laughs> but don't. Mean, you guys. In the 70s, I'm sure maybe $20 was. Yeah. There's a pandemic right now. Maybe don't right. fly. Yeah. Um, so he boarded the plane. Mm. It was a 747. Mm. So it was a big daddy. There were 37 passengers, so it wasn't full. Did you say 37? 37. That's not very full at no, all. No, I know. But it's a little These like crazy motherfuckers. But it's a little like it's like us. It's like Cleveland to Chicago. Yeah, you know, because it's going from Portland to Seattle, so it's an hour and a half flight. Um, I feel like Chicago is like thirty minutes. Go it's ahead. like fifty-eight minutes. Okay, and it's always really bumpy. Yeah. Anyway, flying against the jet stream. Anyway, okay. Uh, anyway, um, so he positions himself in the very last row in the middle. Ooh, the last row is the worst because the seat doesn't go back, and it's right next to the restrooms. Mm, you're gonna get that lavatory smell. Mm-hmm. Kind of reminds me when Todd and I flew to Las Vegas, and we tried to do like a thrifty flight on Frontier, Ugh. and we got put in the <laughs> last seat, and for four hours we had to sit up straight, and it was awful. You know what's worse though? Spirit. Never. I won't do spirit. I've done it a couple times. Because I'm that afraid of flying. I feel like the planes are not as good, which I know is not true, but. Um, I feel like the inside of the plane is not as good because it. It's not as like you're insulated. Fucking, you're also, I'm sitting in like a folding lawn chair. <laughs> do like, any of them recline? They're like, did you bring your lawn chair? We got to <laughs> strap it down. Bring your own seating. Um, okay. OS. Bring your own seat. <laughs> Can you imagine if you got a plane ticket and it said that? And you got on. I'd be like, and great. All, and there were little straps on the ground. Funny story, sidebar. <laughs> yeah. My friend, this is like back, this is like 10 years ago. We went out and um, we went to like a club or whatever. And we were leaving the club. There was like four of us girls. And we got an Uber, which would have been a cab back then. And the whole back seat was missing. And there were lawn chairs back there. And my friend Stop. Alicia was like trying to sit in the lawn chairs. They kept falling over and rolling around. It was a whole thing. Anyway. I don't think that's legal. But it was hilarious because we were wasted. Um, <laughs> well, yes. So he sits in the like back row, whatever. He's got, um, he's wearing a black trench coat. Which, with nothing underneath. With just his wiener hanging out. Just kidding. Um, <laughs> It's the schlong song. Gross. It's like the thong song, but different. <laughs> he was dressed very professionally underneath. Oh, okay. He was wearing... He wasn't going to, like, surprise attack people with his no. dick? No, no, okay. no, no, no. He had another surprise in hand. Um, <laughs> he had a hand. He had a button-down shirt, loafers, Penny and loafers? a... Yes. Did he get blown out of the front of the plane? <laughs> Sorry. Oh. <laughs> he had a black clip-on tie. No! Why? Why? <laughs> From JCPenney's. Seriously, that was in the documentary. I do love J.C. Penny. I'm not gonna lie to you. Ew. Um, Why are you okay. saying ew? They have great deals on clothes. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Arizona <laughs> jeans. Hard pass. <laughs> um, he was also carrying a briefcase and a brown paper lunch bag. Wow. Cute. Wow. Um, the minute he sat down, he Farted. ordered a bourbon and soda <laughs> okay. and put on sunglasses. On a plane? Again, suspect. Trench coat, sunglasses, brown paper lunch. Brown sack. paper lunch sack. Okay, so a stewardess just trots on over to him when she's taking his drink order, mm-hmm. and I'm making this part up, and she's like, sir, what can I get you to drink? And he's like, I'll do a bourbon and soda. Oh, and here's something for you, and he hands her an envelope. Oh. And she kind of rolls her eyes. She was interviewed in the documentary. She's like, I just figured he was, like, flirting with me like other, like, attendees before. Yeah. So she takes the envelope and puts it in her pocket and just goes and does her business, and he's like, pitch you gotta read it like so she comes back and he was like i think it's in your best interest that you read my note Uh so she opens it 
And essentially, he's like, get ready. I'm hijacking this plane. Fuck. And it's a handwritten note. Uh-huh. And basically, he was like, show this to the pilot, but I want the note back. Uh, oh. And um, here are his demands. Okay. Oh, my God. I'm, I'm so excited. He wants 12 to... 12 <laughs> No? Okay. No. He wants to um, land in Seattle, land the plane in Seattle, as their plan going. to do. Great. And he wants to have the refuel thing ready, whatever it's called, the tank that refuels the, the gas. Yeah, yeah. ready, uh, ready to go. On the runway. On the runway. And he wants the plane to be refueled, refueled to the max. Clearly, we've had some wine. Um, 15.2%. He's requesting four parachutes. Two for the front of your body and two for the back of your body. That's okay. too many parachutes. And $200,000 in $20 bills. Um, he then, when Wait, he, how much money in 20, $200,000 in $20 bills. That's a ton of bills. It's a ton of money. And that's heavy. Yeah. What right? if he wanted it in once? I'd be like, sir, are you going to a strip club? Sir, where, what are you doing this money? Mm-mm. Um, going to Christie's cabaret. He then said, he's going to the bottom bang. He then said, he, he going to the <laughs> he's, he's going to tell the pilot once they land in Seattle, what the next steps are. But he said, no funny business in the note. If you mess around, um, and then in his briefcase, he had he showed her the explosives that he had. Oh God! So um, he made them out of Legos. He did something. Um, let's see. Da, 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 da. So in the documentary, they said a lot of the passengers on the plane had no idea. What, most of them had no idea what was going on. It was really just the stewardess and the captain that knew what was going on. Terrifying. So there, the captain, you know, radios down to master control. And tells them what's going on. And as they're flying to Seattle, they're working with a local bank, a Seattle bank, to get the money ready and to give him all of his requests. Because $200,000 is, even in the 70s, is not a ton. I mean, it's a lot of money, but it's not like... In $20 bills it is, though. It's not like... It's 22 pounds worth of money. If it's I a lot. Yeah. So... Um, I hope he's been working out. He... From his from his sketch drawing, his face looks very chiseled. Yeah. So, I would agree. Um, so they land in Seattle. Mm-hmm. The, the plane does circle a little bit because I think they're scrambling to like get the money ready and all that stuff. So they land in Seattle, they unload all the passengers and the flight crew is instructed to stay on the flight. They fuel up the plane. But they let the passengers out? They let the passengers That's out. That's nice. So they give him his four parachutes and Too his many. money. Yep. And, um, he talks to the pilot and he says, essentially, I want to go to New Mexico. And the pilot's like, mm, here, he says, I want to go to New Mexico and I want to fly at 10,000 feet the entire way. And I need the plane wings to be at a certain, and he get, like, gave a certain degree that the plane wings need to stay at so mm-hmm. he could like make his exit or whatever. Mm-hmm. And the pilot was like, there are no flight patterns to New Mexico at 10,000 feet, so we're going to have to pick another destination. And he was, so they went back and forth, back and forth. Finally, they decided on Reno. But they never talked about like exact flight patterns. So the FBI thinks that there was not like anyone else involved Mm -hmm. because he just was going to jump out of the plane without whatever. Um, He also asked the pilot to leave. So back, I don't know that this is the case anymore, but back in the 70s, there on certain 747 planes, there, the stairs was, there was a set of staircases located under, on the belly of the plane. Okay. Okay. And he requested that this stays open during takeoff the whole time of the plane. And the pilot's like, I can't do that. But once we get to 10,000 feet, I can open up the stairs for you. We'll show you how to do it. Great. So fine. They do that. Mm -hmm. 
Okay. So they take off and he stays in the back of the plane and he instructs all the stewardess to go in the front of the plane. And Except for all, the one that he had a crush on. Well, no, he sends her to the front too. Damn so it. they can't see him. Ugh. But she does show him how to release the like stair lever I and all that stuff. I wanted him to have one Mm-mm. hot and heavy affair in the back of the plane before he nope. does this thing. Okay, doesn't. Okay. Okay. All right. So she shows him how to release the lever and everybody goes to the front of the cabin. And multiple times throughout the flight, they're like an hour in, let's say, and they'll check in and say, hey, do you need anything? They call to the back and he'd answer and he'd be like, no, I'm fine. Basically, leave me alone. So then. Um, Did he have all the parachutes on yet? They don't know because they're on the front. <laughs> so who knows? They don't know what he's doing back there. So I'm just imagining some crazy man with like two parachutes on the front, two parachutes on the well, back. Well, I'll explain later as to why he asked for four parachutes. Okay, so okay. they feel the, the plane shake a little bit and they think that's when he released the stairs and, and jumped. So they don't really even know exact, the exact time he jumped. But the stewardess then opened the door and realized that he's not in the plane anymore. So they ended up landing in Seattle and um, the FBI comes on the plane. They search the plane. And all he leaves behind is his clip-on tie. <gasps> so he takes the clip-on tie off, you know what straps the parachute on. If it was a real fucking tie. I know. But maybe he was just like, this is easy. And I feel like clip-on ties were very popular in the 70s, maybe. Were they? Mm, I don't know. I know my brother used to wear them in the 80s, but I assume that was because he was a child. And he couldn't do it, yes. Anywho. The stewardess had a lot of interaction with him, so they did draw up some really good composite sketches, and they Mm -hmm. released that to the public. Mm -hmm, I've seen them. Also, the, um, the bills that you know, that they prepared for him were the Seattle bank that they got the money from had already had a ransom bag prepared in for emergencies. Apparently some banks do that where they have a $250,000 ransom bag ready to go in a certain bag. Right. (laughs) And all the serial numbers on the money is like documented. Yeah. So the FBI scans the plane. They find no evidence of anything except for his clip on tie and um, they're like, let's just wait till the money resurfaces. So they distribute the serial numbers of all the cash and they send it to you know financial institutions across the country. They also release the serial numbers to the public. Mm-hmm. And they also can pinpoint about where they think he jumped from. So they do a massive man search as to, to look for him because they think he's dead. Because they yeah. think, you know, he jumped out of a plane and maybe he doesn't know what he's doing and he died. Maybe. Um, they find nothing. No evidence of him ever. Mm-hmm. Um, the money also never resurfaces <clears throat> until 12 years later. But up until 12 years, no one has used the $20 bills. Um, they also think, the FBI thinks that he asked for four um, parachutes so he would trick the FBI into thinking that he was going to take a hostage with him mm. or he would get a, pa- a set, a front and a back set and the hostage would get in a front and, front and a back set. And also so the FBI wouldn't mess or tamper with the parachutes. Because if you only ask for one parachute, yeah, they'd just be they like, would just sure. like cut the strings or something, whatever. So he's like, I need four. One for the front of me, one for the back of me. And then for someone else, one for the front and one for the back. So it was very well thought out. Good idea. Okay. All right. But the parachute that they provided him was a, like, you couldn't steer it. It was just like an old school, like, military parachute. So... Um, it didn't really make sense. One of the theories is that um, he didn't make it from the jump and he just, you know, 
the plane was at 10,000 feet. There was a massive fog from 5,000 feet below. And where they think he jumped was a very dense wooded area in the like Portland mountains. I mean, not in Portland, but like the mountains surrounding Portland. Um, 12 years later, a father and son were on goodbye. Excuse me. (laughs) A father and son were on a local beach near um, the Portland area. And they were digging for a campfire and they found like they were digging for a shithole they were yeah exactly no they're they're trying to build a campfire so they were like digging a hole Uh to put the wood in and they found cash with they found five five thousand dollars of cash and wait how much five thousand dollars of cash and it turns out the serial numbers matched the db cooper case which again was 12 years later so they it had been silent for 12 years nothing mm-hmm. they couldn't find him anywhere then the money never resurfaced and the fbi was just like we don't know what happened so um this father and son team found this five thousand dollars in cash and they noticed also that the rubber bands were still intact on the money mm. and the rubber bands that were used in the 70s <clears throat> would have only lasted a year unless they were like like the ground was dug up and they were like put in place and buried. So like if he like dropped the money and it floated down a river or something, the rubber bands would not have still been around the the money. So they, they think he buried it. Bands? Yeah. So they think he buried it. Mm. Okay. So suspects and theories. So the the biggest theory about DB Cooper is that he's dead because they they think then it's who buried the money. Well, there you go. So. The fog was so bad that day. It was nighttime when he jumped from the plane. Mm. And they think that there's no way he could have maneuvered through the forest. Um, also, he was wearing loafers. because And who can land? Like, they were like, why didn't he request, like, a helmet or, like, the right kind of landing gear? Like, he just didn't have the right... He had to look good. Right. I mean, he has sunglasses on. He did wear goggles. He, you know, Switched he strapped on goggles. goggles. Yeah. Okay. okay. Um, so, a lot of... The FBI at first just thought he just was a lot, was dead, but they never found his body and they searched forever for it. So, um, there have been four suspects over the years and I'm going to go through them very quickly because it's interesting and I think I want to know which ones you think did it. So Okay, so there are four suspects, and I want to know which ones you think are likely to do it. Great. Okay. One of them is Dan Aykroyd, right? Yes, exactly. That's who did it. Breaking news. (laughs) Dan Aykroyd. Is he still alive? Yeah. Oh, okay. I met him once. You did? He was much shorter than I expected. Yeah, I pictured him to be tall. No. Hmm. I think he has a tequila brand. Does he? What's up with these celebrities having all these like tequila and like? I think his is like an. I think I was doing a podcast with him. He has like an alien thing because he's like super into aliens. Oh, him and I should collaborate. I'm gonna I'm gonna look it up. I might be wrong. I'm actually not super into aliens. Just kidding. Okay, so suspect number one. Oh, really quick sidebar. I left this part out. This is what happens when you don't write a ton of stuff down. Vodka brand, the Crystal Head Vodka. Oh, Hmm. Hmm. interesting. Um, I think he should have done an ecto cooler vodka. <laughs> dun, 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 dun. He wrote Ghostbusters. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, Dan Aykroyd wrote Ghostbusters. Oh. Anyway, I met him. I was very nervous because I was young and he was a legend. And then I was like, I'm pretty sure I'm taller than Dan Aykroyd. Was he a legend though? I think he is. He was on. When Saturday did you meet him? 
I mean, I had like to be, young I, Jenny or I like think I was like 25, maybe 26. Okay. That's a big I like, deal. I was Kenny's age. Yeah. And I met a guy who I grew up watching. Yeah. And I was like, what the fuck? And he was really short. But also very nice. Oh, that's good. I like freaked the fuck out. I was like, I love Ghostbusters. And he was Was like, it a setting that you were meant to meet him in or was it like in passing? I was, he was at the television station I was working at. Okay. That's what I kind of, so you can't like super freak out. You gotta be no, kind of cool. you can't freak out because you're like at work and you have to act natural. Yeah. That's what I, that's <laughs> kind of what I was trying to figure out. Yes. Um, bup, bup, bup. Oh yeah. So when I worked at that same place, Jimmy Fallon came in. Yes. And he was kind of a diva, Aww. like had a makeup team and like you couldn't talk to him until he had his makeup done. And then Conan O'Brien came in and he was so cool Ugh, and so tall and the nicest guy. So. My favorite is that he's so tall and he still does that thing with his hair. It's I like, know. It's like Kenny's hair, but like 10 times like higher. Like freak, freak, freakishly tall. Yeah. But so I'm sure Jimmy Kimmel's a nice guy or not Jimmy Kimmel. Jimmy Fallon is a nice guy. But kind of a diva. His staff was a diva. I don't know that he is. Anyway, super sidebar. Um, <laughs> so D.B. Cooper did say to the stewards at one point, she was like, why are you doing this? And he was like, it has, an, I, it has nothing to do with Northwest Airlines. I don't have a grudge against your airline, but I have a grudge. Uh-oh. But he didn't say what about or anything. So Against parachute companies? Maybe. Or he's mad at something. So our suspect number one is Robert Rackstraw. And he has a military background. So they think D.B. Cooper definitely had a military background. Um, he knew how to make a bomb. He has a criminal record and had a sky, an uncle that skydived named John Cooper. Because they don't think D.B. Cooper is his real name. Obviously, he's using a fake name. Right. Uh, and he was discharged from the Army five months prior to the hijacking. So maybe that was his like thing that he was pissed off about and wanted to get back to the government because he's stealing their money from the bank i don't know sure um that's what this documentary said so mm. he also would never deny being cooper like mm. he's been asked and interviewed and he wouldn't he never once denied it mm. the only problem with him and why the fbi never arrested him is that he had light colored eyes and he was only 28 years old at the time of the hijacking and the stewardess were very descriptive that he was like in his mid-40s with dark hair dark eyes like they had a, a very like nailed down description so they he's out so suspect number two is kenneth Christ, christensen oh boy um <laughs> he was a suspect in 2003 mm-hmm. and during the time his brother actually started noticing similarities bef- between him and db cooper so maybe his brother was like into the case and like pointed this out mm. um he was a paratrooper he had a military background he worked for northwest airlines and he was in his mid-40s in 1971 during the hijacking okay he was also left-handed which db cooper is thought to be left-handed because of he held his briefcase in his left hand and also he had a um a tie clip on his clip on tie and it was on the left side of the tie which would be put on by your left hand got it right kenny is that right yeah sure okay um he <laughs> also like, yeah. this is kind of a dick move he also told his brother that he had a secret before he died but he could never reveal it and then he died then don't even say you have a secret if you're not going to reveal it don't say you have a secret I mean, on your deathbed if you have a secret, you have to reveal it on your deathbed. But you don't say, I have a secret, and then you die yeah, without no. telling your secret. The rules are that you have to tell. Um, after he passed, his family discovered over $200,000 in his bank account, and he also closely resembled the D.B. Cooper. 
The problem is, is he um, was a lot shorter than D.B. Cooper. Oh, there's your boyfriend. Momo. Your boyfriend. Hi, Mo. And um, he had less hair than D.B. Cooper. So I think his facial structure resembled D.B. Cooper a lot. But he also made a good living selling land. So the $200,000 could have been from him just like making a good living, whatever. Okay, next one is Dwayne Weber. And this is this is my favorite one. Mm. He was a suspect in 1995. So this is years after the hijacking. Yeah. So the FBI has like worked this case forever. Um, he also made a deathbed confession to his wife. And after he, he told her that he was, in fact, D.B. Cooper, he had something to tell her, so he did confess it. And after he died, his wife made a lot of connections to confirm his com- confession, and these are the connections. Okay. Um, she found a similar bank bag that was used in the ransom in his closet, mm. like years after. Okay. Um, he had a knee injury after jumping out of a plane. Mm-hmm. Like thinking back, she's like, oh my God. And he hurt his knee, like jumping out of the plane that one time because everybody does that. You know um, he you had several nightmares about leaving fingerprints on the AFT stairs, which are the, the technical term of the aft. aft stairs of what they're called of the stairs that release under the plane. Mm. Um, a year before the money was discovered on that beach by the father and son, he had paid a quick visit to that very beach. The very same beach. Oh. He had a military background. He had a criminal record. He matched the exact physical description, and he was 47 in 1971. The only issue that they could, ne- could not connect him to the case was that his fingerprints did not match any of the prints collected from the flight or from the tie clip. Hmm. But so many people handle those things because they didn't collect evidence like they do nowadays, so that doesn't mean he didn't do it. Right. Okay. Last and final one is William Smith. This one's also is a good contender. He worked for the railroad industry as a yard master, whatever that means. I also am known as a yard master. So (laughs) the railroad industry was impacted by a large bankruptcy um, in the the 1970s, causing him to lose his pension. Mm. They filed for bankruptcy mainly due to the fact that the airline industry was taking away business from travel from them. So there's his grudge that maybe he had against the, I don't know, airline industry. Um, The tie that Cooper left behind in the plane was recently examined in 2016, and they found rare metals on the tie, um, especially rare back in the 70s. And these particles could also be found from working on a rail yard. So it was like titanium or something weird like that. I mean, it could also be found in other industries like um, airplane. If you worked in the airplane industry, there's certain metals. So Mm. um, he they thought that he could use his knowledge of the railroad networks to escape the area after landing. Mm hmm. He matched the description perfectly as well. He had a military background. He was 43 in 1971. Um, the only issue that they had with his background is that he lived most of his life in the northeast part of the United States. So he wasn't he wouldn't have been familiar with the Northwest, other than knowing like the railroad trails and stuff like that. Right. So out of all those four, I think William Smith or Dwayne Weber are the two most suspects. It's still unsolved to this day. And as of 2016, the FBI has, a, they have officially closed the case. And unless someone comes forward with evidence, it'll remain closed and unsolved. So they think he survived. And that is a story of D.B. Cooper or Dan Cooper or whatever the fuck his real name is. 
So the money never gets spent? Never got spent. Only the $5,000 that was found. found? Yep. I wonder Um, what happened to it. Do you think they laundered it? Maybe. I feel like, don't you have to still put that through a bank? But if it's a bank down in like... Well, but no, if you distribute the money, then people... Basically, it's you, you spend the money... And then you, uh, so like, okay. But if he spends the money. Watched, no, listen, when you, when you watch Good Girls. I've watched Breaking Bad. Mm, I'm watching Breaking Bad right now. It's really good. I, I know so how they good. launder money, but their money still goes through yes. the system, right? Because you got to wash the dirty money with the clean money. Yeah. I don't know. I think it's number three. I the think one I do that too. The wife, he told the wife. Me too. The guy who had nightmares. That's a guy. Me too. And the, and the bag and the, and the knee injury, like. It all fits together. Yeah. In my opinion. But somehow, I'm pretty sure you wouldn't just take that money and not spend it. So, like, what did he do with it? But he probably knew that they recorded all the serial codes Mm -hmm. and knew that he could never spend it. So, basically, it was all for nothing. Very weird. And the money that they did find, they... He could have dropped it jumping out of the plane. However... It, there's no way it could have ended up on that beach because the Columbia River, like it could have fallen in the Columbia River and then they thought it could have traveled to this location, but the Columbia River fall, flows the opposite way. So there's no way it could have, someone had to bury it with the rubber bands and all this stuff. So yeah, the money was never uncovered, still a huge mystery. And um, yeah, they closed the case officially. They're just, just like, fuck it? Yep. Okay. They got, and he did leave six cigarette butts behind on the plane. But they never collected it because they didn't have DNA like that back then. God damn it. I know. And he had his drink that they could have collected the glass. But, yeah. Gotta think ahead. He got, he, there was another guy right a year later that also hijacked a plane that did the exact same thing he did. And they thought it was him. But he had an alibi and it wasn't. He was just a copycat. So, yeah. Oh, my God. All right. (laughs) Sorry. That's a line, kind of a longer. Um, It's all right because I think mine is soups short. Great. All right, now then. <clears throat> I don't. So, as we talked about at the top of the show, we are number 66. Oui, oui. In France. <laughs> yeah. So, I tried to pick something that had some sort of French tie because I was, and it's not a clip on, it's a regular French dun, tie. Bam! Um, so, I have so many dad jokes. Ugh. All right, so um, I am doing the story, the survival story of Narcisse Petier. Good job. Thank you. Again, it was my minor. If I can't yeah. say this Actually, shit. Actually, I, well. I paid a lot of money for this fake accent. It's not good. I'm sure the people in France are like cringing. Yes, probably. Okay, uh, so we're going way back. We're going in the way back machine. Uh, Narcisse was born in 1844. Mm-hmm. Mm, old-timey one. Yes. Um, he had a pretty normal childhood. He was growing up uh, in a small town. <clears throat> I'm going to say outside of Paris, but I really don't know if that's true. I just feel like everything is a little outside of Paris. Yeah. <laughs> and I didn't write down where it was. So um, he had a loving family and he, you know, was very nurtured and he went to, you know, school and did all the things kids are supposed to do. But he was very against schooling. Like he mm. thought school was st- stupid he didn't like it he didn't do well in it well that's silly (laughs) but he really loved boats okay (laughs) a passion at a young age passionate of the boats hold on okay kenny do you want to be in charge of this for a minute 
Got it. Okay. Uh, I just put him in charge of my phone, you guys, because I'm talking to the people at GoDaddy. Now, uh, he loves the boats. He goes on his uncle's boat a lot and helps there. Um, and at the age of 14, he decides he's going to be, wait, I wrote it down. A captain? A deckhand. Okay. Which is like, kind of like a ship bitch. Yeah, they do all the odds and ends and <laughs> right. take orders and, right? Yeah, or as I like to call it, ship bitch. So, Narcisse. But that's what he aspired? Like, that's what he wanted? No, he wanted to, like, go role. up the ranks. That's who he started. Yeah, he's 14 years old. They're right. not going to be like, Forgot that detail. Forgot that detail. I said captain, really. <laughs> um, okay, so he uh, becomes a... Oh, Kenny's looking things up. Okay. Um, he decides to go on this really crazy journey, which at the time probably wasn't that crazy, but so there wasn't a way to get from France to like other parts of the world, like Asia, for example, unless you go all the way around Africa. Yes. I think now there's like a canal that you can go through. Oh, really? I think so. I mean, that's what they did in the, pa- like that's the, the Panama yeah. Canal. Yeah. Um, Cause you used to have to go around all of South America. Mm-hmm. So I'm pretty sure that exists now. If I'm wrong, you guys can. I bet you it does. I would think that would be smart. So at this time, though, they have to go all the way around it. And they um, their first stop is they're going to Bombay. Mm. And they're coming with our favorite load wine. Oh, I was going to say gin just because Bombay Sapphire. No, they're going from, they have wine from Bordeaux, France. I mean, that makes much more sense. Yes. So they're going from Bar- Bordeaux. They're stopping in Bombay to drop this off. Uh, then they are going to Hong Kong to pick up what is pretty much sounds like slaves mm. um, mm-hmm. from China. And then they are going to um, take those folk down to Australia because they're going to be slaves. I'm sorry, workers, right. quote unquote. Uh, for the gold mining industry mm-hmm. in Australia. By choice, I'm sure. Yes, they have nothing better they'd love to do. Um, so the problem is, is it's 18... Wait. 45? No, he was born in 44, so it's 1858. Okay. And basically, a 14-year-old, he basically just gets, like, abused mm. the entire time. And he's used to, like... I don't, I don't want to say he was a mama's boy, but I think he was a little bit of a mama's boy. So he was okay. like very coddled and like loved and like nurtured. Well, you said he had a great upbringing. That doesn't make you a mama's boy, but no. it sounds like this yeah. is maybe a little far from where, where it came from. Yeah. But he really wants to be in the shipping industry. So this is, he's paying his dues. You got to so pay getting, your dues. Fake he, it till you make it. He gets beat a mm. lot by some of the crew Why? members. Um, at one point he gets stabbed pretty brutally in the arm. Damn. I was like, this sounds like more than abuse. And then um, it don't, they didn't say if it happened to him, but there was also some men on the ship who um, pedophilia mm. was a thing. So maybe raped, groped, <clears throat> yeah. stuff like that. Yeah. yeah. So I don't know if it happened to him, but it did happen to young boys who would be on these ships because um, obviously they didn't see people for long stretches of time. I mean, right. these were really long voyages on a ship. You're going really far. <clears throat> so... Um, they go to Bombay, no problem there. They go to Hong Kong, they pick up their quote unquote workers. workers. Mm-hmm. 
They start their way to Australia when the captain of the ship realizes that he is running low on supplies. So he's really scared that, do you need to talk to me about GoDaddy? Great. Um, The captain's like really scared that there's going to be an issue Mm -hmm. um, where people are going to start starving. Oh, that's a problem. um, having thirst, you know, like they don't have enough water. Mm -hmm. And he also is very scared of a mutiny, which apparently is like a real thing back in the day that they would, you know, whatever, take over the ship, I yeah, guess. Yeah, take control and just... Yeah, and just, like, fucking kill the captain because he was a bad captain. So he decides to go a shortcut. Oh, no. <laughs> I'm like, this just, Oh, boy. This, that sounds like a terrible plan. So he takes a shortcut, and during this shortcut, the ship runs aground of uh, some coral reef, hmm. which, A, is terrible because coral reef is really important to the environment. Yeah, way to ruin it. But also because it ruined the ship and it sank. Oh. <laughs> so. Um, He's worried about supplies, but yet his ship sinks. Yes. So they end up on um, a little island. Okay. I don't think I wrote it down. So Wait. we're close to like, uh, we're heading towards Australia at this point. We're very close point. to Australia at this point. There's a little island. I Oh, Heron Island is what I wrote down. I don't know if that's right. Um, so they're basically on this island. They... Um, Oh, they find um, a well, so they're able to get water. Oh, good news. But that being said, our poor Narcisse Patier says, is like, they're like, you're 14, you get nothing. So they didn't give him any water. What? So they tell him, hey, don't worry, we're going to go look for some food. The well will start to fill back up with water. You just need to stay here and rest. And when it fills with water, you can get yours, right? Okay. Hopefully it rains. So... They leave him, 14 years old. And they all go to scavenge for food. Yes. Um, Okay. So at this point, they also, the captain decides that they're going to take one of the uh, long ships that had survived the crash, like a, like a big canoe looking Like a side ship or something? Yeah. Okay. Like a, you know, like a lifeboat, like on the Titanic. Right. Right. Those. I'm just, in my head, I'm picturing the Titanic um, movie and like people jumping. Anyway, it's like that. Um, and they jump on and um, they do something called maroon. They maroon poor Narcisse Patier. And now, well, wait, I'm sorry. Somehow they get to the top of Australia. They maroon. What does that mean? That means they leave them there. Oh. Goodbye. They just completely leave them there? Yeah, the 14-year-old. So at some point, I'm sorry, I'm missing like a big chunk. And I'm, I apologize. You know how I like to memorize stuff? Well, my memorization That's is okay. not great. So they're on this Heron Island. They end up at the very tip of Australia. So they are now on Australia. Oh, okay. They get there. Um, I don't think they're where they're supposed to be. Um, and this is where they maroon. Uh, they're just like, peace out. We're yeah. not going back to where we were. The historian in the documentary basically was like, they probably decided... This is what the ship and our supplies can handle. Mm-hmm. And like it can't handle this extra one person. And so we, ha- we have to cut our losses. Mm. And so their losses are Narcisse, the 14-year-old boy. Just standing by the well, waiting yeah, for them waiting to come for, back. Waiting for water, which doesn't come, by the way. And waiting and for waiting his crew. And waiting for his crew that have decided to leave him on Aww, the island. Poor baby. Can you imagine being 14? And no. Just, okay, A, I would never be like, you know what I'm going to do at 14? Get on a ship with a bunch of dudes. No. But it's also the 1850s. I get it. So I get it. I mean, He's probably like, quote unquote, done with school. Yeah. Which wouldn't happen today. Yeah. But whatever. Um, okay. So he's there. 
He has the clothes on his back and a tin cup. That's it. Mm. He is laying amongst, it's very wooded, like, you know, jungly. Okay. And he's laying amongst all these, like, trees and stuff. And he is, like, thinking he's going to die because he hasn't had water in I don't know how long. He hasn't had food. Um, and so he's kind of passing in and out of consciousness. Well, he when he comes to, he wakes up to find three Aboriginal women. So, like, you know, like Native women. Yeah. Looking down on him. He's when like, he hey. wakes up. Yeah. I mean, the pictures, there's like an artist who drew a bunch of pictures. And of course, they're like not wearing clothes. They're just like tits yeah. everywhere. Yeah. Well, that's, um, what, that's how they roll. Well, it's probably hot too. I mean, why would you? You're on an island yeah. by yourself. Who cares? Um, so these women, when he wakes up, they're like, ah, and they have to go get their men folk because that's what you did. Uh-huh. So they go and get the men and they come back. And um, in an offering, he gives one of the men his tin cup. I was going to say, all he has to offer is his tin cup. Well, guess what? They've never seen a tin fucking cup before. So, and it's very life changing for them. To them, it's, it means a great deal. Okay. So they take him in. Oh. So the Aboriginal people. I just got chills for some weird. I love it. It could be, it could be because other reasons, but it's fine. (laughs) Um, It's called the Wantala tribe. And um, they take uh, little Narcisse Batier into their um, circle, into their group. um, And they call him Amglo. That's his name in See, the follow Aboriginal. your dreams. You never know where it's going to take you. Exactly. Like an Aboriginal tribe. Yeah, exactly. So they take him into the community. Um, there is a uh, one of the tribe leaders, which I'm going to say his name, and I think I'm going to say it wrong because it sounds ridiculous. Mad Men. <laughs> Excuse me? <laughs> like the show. Like the show? That's I'm like, come again? Did I hear that right? Mad Men? It's M-A-A-D-E-M-A-N. Made men, made men, maybe. Anyway, he adopts Amglo, oh, sweet baby, and so he becomes Madaman's son, Aww. and they raise him for seventeen years. Damn. So he survives there. He learns the language. They speak mm-hmm. a totally different language. Um, he uh, learns their traditions. Um, he has, he gets he's in it. He's, he's like all in. Yeah. He gets like, um, the tribal piercings and stuff like the, the nasal piercing that yeah. goes through the, the middle. What's that called? Your septum. Mm-hmm. Um, he gets like the big like plugs in the ears. Um, he has like, I don't know. They weren't tattoos. It was like, there was pictures of it. Um, but something on his, like henna, his, like his the, skin. Yeah. yeah. Um, well after 17 years, there is a purling ship that, um, docks offshore and some of the crew see a white man with the Aboriginal people. Mm-hmm. And um, there's different stories of how this goes down. Uh-oh. The, the crew will say they rescued this white man from mm-hmm. the Aboriginal people. Like these native, or these um, savages is what they would call right. them. Kind of like how when people came to America and they called Native Americans savages, sames. Um. When it's really just they're the OG people that were here. Exactly, we were we were entrenching <laughs> on their land. Or the dicks. Um, so uh, they the crew says we saved this guy. He says he was kidnapped Aww. because he actually really loved his family um, of the Wantala tribe. So, so what happened? Did he go back? Yeah. So he's his story is they took him by gunpoint back to the ship. But why? Because they were like, we can't leave you here with these savages. 
I mean, it was the 1800s. He had no choice. Yeah, they didn't understand At this either. point, he also was, he had trouble remembering his French. Like, he had been speaking their language so long, which I'm not going to try and pronounce the language. Mm-hmm. There were a lot of U's next to each other <laughs> in the language. Anyway, um, so long story short, they take him back to France where he is considered, like, this hero and, like, this legend like a folklore legend of the man who survived savages for all these years Um, but he never really felt at home once he got back to France Mm -hmm. so um, that being said he did end up um, well first his first job offer was to basically become um, an act in a freak show because, you know, back then, like, freak shows were, like, a thing. Yeah, and he had all, like, the piercings and stuff. Yeah, and... so they're like, you can be part of it. And he was like, absolutely not. Absolutely not. So I'm, I'm happy that he said no. Yes. And then um, he ended up working at a lighthouse because I think it was very, like, calm and very... Um, Still on the water. And, like... and solitary. Yeah. You know, he didn't have to be with a lot of other people because I think he really didn't love European lifestyle at that yeah. point. He missed his Aboriginal upbringing. Um, he did get married and I think he, they had two kids together. Um, so he did have a French wife and, mm-hmm. you know, kind of lived the life. Uh, he, he had gotten back, um, to France when he was 32. Okay. And he met his wife when he was 35, I believe. So, um, and then he died when he was 50. Oh, but he never made it again. back to the island? Never made it back. I wonder if those people are still there. The, uh, the ancestors of those people. Really? Are still there. Um, they don't, I don't think they call themselves like a tribe anymore mm-hmm. um but there's like a group of people that are ancestors that still represent of the, the um Wantala tribe hmm. um so in the documentary they were talking about it a little bit and like the one guy said his great-grandfather talked about the white man who showed up and lived with them mm-hmm. and um, all that kind of oh stuff gosh, so yeah Jenny. people still remember um but yeah that is the story of Narcisse Patier and he was a badass aboriginal man from France <laughs> and had to go back to France and then had to go back to France um wow what a great story good job hey thanks that was a good one thank you I wish he would have made it back to the island though I know that would have been nice like a little but it's not like he could have just like jumped on a plane and went back obviously I know because it was before the planes Mm. but yeah so he he only lived to 50 though which I don't know I think I honestly think he would have lived longer if he had stayed with the aboriginal people probably so anyway good job story like it okay love it Getting, Love it. Is your butt punching? What? Get festive with weird news. Oh, good. Uh, a Christmas tree breaks a world record. What was this Christmas tree made of? Mm. Is how big this Christmas tree is. Wait, what? A Christmas tree made of what breaks a Guinness World Record? Sausages. Popsicle sticks. Sardine cans. Oh. Ooh, my. Oh, but, my. My friend Cam is really into sardines. He posts about it all the time. Why? I don't, I don't think I've, I've ever had a sardine. I've never I had I have one. had on yeah. a pizza and they're not good. Are they just really salty? Yeah, but it's like they're fishy. I don't I don't I don't know. He's really into them. He, At your favorite pizza place, I had the sardine like they have like a sardine pizza. And I'm like, oh I'll be crazy and try it. Which one's my favorite pizza place? The three palms or the five oh. palms or whatever it's called. They have three. a sardine pizza. Yes. And it was a good pizza. Yeah. But I was not into the sardines. No, I don't like sardines. Well, okay, I can't see that. Okay, because you okay. never had it. So honestly, reading the story, it seems like a very easy world record to break. Break. It's just the largest structure made of cans, and it's only twenty feet tall. 
Oh, that we could seems, do that on the weekend. That seems guess, very short, right? Guess what we're going to do this weekend. Well, it took 70,000 <laughs> cans of sardines. Cause, How sorry, many? 70,000. Okay, oh. use those big it, tomato soup cans. Like, what the fuck? Oh, well, that's pretty, too. It is pretty. Yeah. However, use those big tomato soup cans. You know what I'm talking about? Weighs 31,000 pounds. Yeah, I know yeah. what you're talking Did about. Did he paint those, Kenny, or is that just the color of the... I think can. it might just be the color of the cans, like, and he like low sodium that, yeah. and high sodium, maybe. I don't know. Hmm. <laughs> really thought this through. But uh, all the cans in the structure will be deleted, or not deleted, donated <laughs> to oh, a food sardines. kitchen. For some reason, I thought they were oh, empty. Oh, me too. No, I all for I picture the can being open. That's why I was like, are they like painted or is it like certain? No, they're like- all, okay. it was like in the factory itself that makes them and then they're that's donated a lot of it to a food, ki- food oh, kitchen. Okay. All right, well, we're going to try and break that record this weekend. Yeah. Not, I feel like we just need to like tape that. a whole bunch of cans together and you're good. Great. Yeah. Guess what we're doing. Some Campbell okay. soup cans. Another uh, quick announcement before we sign off for this episode. Uh, we are taking a holiday break. Yay. So um, normally we put up like repeat episodes or something like that, but we're all just going to take two weeks off for the holidays. Uh, so this is our last episode that you will hear until january 5th 5th yeah so um don't be sad we will be back uh in fact we are recording again before the holidays so that we have something to go first of the year but um don't leave us we love you so much oh also thank you to the person who did slide into my dms and asked for the enchilada recipe i hope you enjoy it also sweet i really you gotta share that with me too i will i'll I'll, I'll text to you so um thank you guys so much for listening we will see you in the new year happy holidays happy new year See you soon. Goodbye. Bye.